Welcome to the Grim Drive Podcast, where we explore mental health through the lens of professional sports and athletes. My name is Jonathan Busfield. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, John Cuna. Today, we're going to be discussing Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and relationships. So most people, I mean, we're from Boston, so most people uh, don't need the rundown of who Tom Brady is, who Bill Belichick is. Uh, I think most sports fans probably don't need that. But, you know, to give a quick recap, you know, obviously they uh, they were on the same team for a while, Brady, Brady being the quarterback. Uh, Belichick being the coach, I think it was 2000 when Brady was drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, 199, I mm-hmm. think, sixth round, right? Um, for the Patriots, Belichick was the coach at, at that time, still is. Um, you know, played played on the Brady played on the Patriots for about I think 20, was it 20 years? Yeah, yeah, 20 years until he recently decided. I think it was before last season to, um, you know, pack his bags and, yeah. and go to. Uh, not, <laughs> Not quite, Tampa. yeah, not quite yeah. South Beach, but t- close, Tampa. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think you know this came up recently because it was uh, the game that happened. I mean, when this episode airs, it's going to be a little bit past it, but there was a game recently where Tom Brady came back to uh, Gillette Stadium in Foxborough for the first time as a member of a team that's not the Patriots. Yep. And obviously, that's a big deal. Um, you know, in terms of what that means uh, for the fans here, what that means for Belichick, what that means for Brady, uh, and it led to a lot of. Uh, you know, week-long or multiple week-long kind of uh, things in the media, which we're going to get to. Um, but I thought we could start a little bit just, you know, with an overview of their time together, things accomplished, and just how hard it is to do what they did. So obviously they won six Super Bowls together, uh, played together for, for 20 years, um, navigated a lot of drama and a lot of difficult things, right? There was uh, Spygate, there was Deflategate, there mm. was... Um, you know, just the fact that they're both very driven, uh, very specific individuals in terms of how they do things. Um, but obviously a very successful relationship. And yeah. I think it, it's an example of how just relationships in general are very hard. I mean, you know, especially when you're trying to do difficult things, it, it's hard to always get along perfectly and have everything be fine. Um, what are your, I'll kick it to you, Johnny. What are, you, what are your thoughts on just, you know, reflecting on those two doing what they did for 20 years and, uh, and maybe how people view it from the outside versus what we probably think is is going on within their relationship yeah i think you get probably two different perspectives you get the new england perspective um of what the relationship was and then you get the outsider perspective that it was you know belichick was had his thumb on brady and wouldn't let him do anything and things like that which you can get into a little bit but mm-hmm. um you know it's interesting that like you know their relationship for 20 years went through a lot of you mentioned like a lot of stress tests right like deflate gate and spy gate and all these different things and um you know a lot of other things just within the team happened that they had to sort of manage and they did in a professional capacity and you know we'll never know until someone writes the book uh what happened behind behind closed doors um but i think from a fan's perspective and just like an outside perspective i feel like they managed it relatively well and in in boston and sports media loves to twist things into different ways so it's hard to get an accurate picture of like what actually maybe was going on i mean if you listen to um felger and maz it was like this terrible relationship that was awful and no one was getting along and it was just awful um but i don't really believe that that was the case and you know even at the end of the game with um you know belichick and brady they hugged for like a half a second and people were like oh he's snuffing him or things like that and i was like well actually no then they met in the locker room for like 35 minutes afterwards and we're talking about Mm -hmm. different things so um i think that plays a big part but it's impressive what they've been able to do what they were able to do for 20 years of being able to manage all of those different things right i mean a 20-year relationship just separate from 
being in the spotlight is impressive, keeping a relationship for 20 years. Um, but especially when it's every little decision or behavior is under a microscope. When you're the best at what you do, and both of those, and this is not a biased opinion, this is just fact. So <laughs> you come on the show and dispute me. But yeah. when you have the two greatest people at what they do together, um, it can be it can be difficult and it's going to draw a lot of skepticism and criticism. And I think that they did a pretty exceptional job um, at that. I, do I think that it was perfect all the time? No. Do I think that they argued behind closed doors? Absolutely. Do I think that there was some stuff that came up when they was transitioning away? Sure. Right. But I, I think that they were able to handle a relationship in a different, you know, um, in a relatively healthy way, at least from the outside perspective. I didn't see anything that was like overtly passive aggressive or negative or anything like that. And I think that speaks to both of them. And it speaks to that their relationship was around like winning football games. And that, I think that's something that helped them. Yeah, it's interesting because it's almost like people take snippets of what they see um, and they they make this leap, this assumption that that means the relationship was bad, which is strange to me. It's almost like saying that if someone, you know, if someone uh, grieves the loss of a loved one, then that means they weren't happy when they were together. It's like the same kind of ballpark for me. Like, you're, so you're saying you did difficult things for 20, these two did difficult things for 20 years. And then on the heels of that, there was some difficult emotion when things had to go a different direction. Like that's a very healthy response. That's a normal response. Right. It like, reflects how uh, amazing 20 years was. It doesn't indicate that 20 years was, was a bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's the opposite of that. So I agree with you. It's interesting because the book did, ju I think just came out. I think it just came out last week, a book by Seth Wickersham, which is like, he, I think he writes for, I'm not going to, I'm going to get this wrong. It might be the Atlantic or something like that. Or maybe he, you know what? He might've worked for ESPN for a while. Um, I apologize. I should know that, but I think he worked for ESPN and he had a lot of in-depth knowledge over the last few years about allegedly in-depth knowledge about what mm -hmm. was going on in Foxborough between uh, amongst that team and between Belichick and Brady specifically uh, and Kraft and came out with a book that I think goes into some of these things. I haven't read it yet, so I don't mm -hmm. know, but I know that that is supposed to be the most in-depth um, window in that, that we've had so far. So it'll be interesting to read that a little bit and, and see what kind of comes out of it. Um, but I agree with you. I feel like people, whether it's Felger and Maz or other people, they, they tend to look at um, – little things on the screen during a football game and blow that up to make assumptions about what that means, you know? Mm -hmm. So if they ha get into a little sideline spat or if mm -hmm. um, they don't seem to like talk to each other, like the, the end of the game recently is a great example. Like Belichick gives him like a half a millisecond hug mm -hmm. and they walk off right now. People like Felger and Maz are going to say like, see, it's like, they don't Snuff care about each in. other. They yeah, hate each other, hate whatever. Each other. Right. And then like you said, you know, off the camera, Belichick intentionally waits and goes in and is in the lock, the Tampa Bay locker room with Brady alone, one on one, for mm -hmm. a half an hour. Right. So it's like obviously these are two people that really care about each other, and yep. um, just because you care about each other um, doesn't guarantee anything, right? I think that's where like to be. I mean, look, I don't know about you, but the experience I, I draw to this is like having roommates um, who are friends in college or like after college. It's like even people you really care about and love piss you off after We're like it's like you know if you live yeah. together and you're around each other you're going to st strike a nerve at times it's mm -hmm. just impossible not to um and that's just living together and living life yeah this is like an example of like brady and belichick an example of trying to do something at the top of your field that is incredibly difficult and anytime you're trying to accomplish incredibly difficult things you have to push the limits you're not going to agree and there's going to be things that, that like moments where because you're both trying to elevate each other that you uh, strike a nerve and one person disagrees or whatever like that's bound to happen i almost think it kind of has to happen 
and it, I think it can strengthen your relationship for anything. So I'm, I guarantee that 20 years of them together, those 20 years were strengthened by difficult conversations that they had, not the opposite. You know, mm-hmm. people like avoid difficult conversations. I think that tends to really hurt the relationship and probably lead to an earlier exit than if they just had it to begin with. I don't yeah, know I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, the concept that we, we talk about of like confirmation bias, which is basically you, you look and seek information that will confirm your own beliefs, mm-hmm. right? So if you're if you're someone who thinks negatively about Brady and negatively about Belichick, that's the only information you're going to really like retain is mm-hmm. like those little comp, those little like spats on the sideline or the, you know, the snuff of the hug at the end of that game yeah. on Sunday. Um, that for you will be like, see, I told you it was a terrible thing rather than maybe hearing it all the way out and like, oh, actually they just wanted a more private moment. They didn't want to have a conversation in front of millions of people. They wanted to keep that separate, which I think speaks to just the relationship that we've seen for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other one that you brought up too about like difficult conversations, I think this is one of the hardest parts when we talk about relationships just in general, that arguments are a crucial part of growth. And if you can't argue appropriately, relationships tend to end. And, you know, we, I used to do a lot of work with, um, you know, creating relationships and things like that with, especially with young kids, because I think that, you know, it's like when I I was having lots of conversations with them, oh yeah, well, we got into a fight, so we're not friends anymore. It's like, well, what was the fight about? Well, they wanted to do this and I wanted to do this. So we got into a fight and now we're not friends. Like, well, there's actually some real opportunity there to work through some different things. And what you find is that through difficult conversations or through healthy arguments, you actually grow and strengthen the bond because then you know how to do that in the future. You show a little bit of vulnerability with that person and you show a little bit of trust with that person. And like arguments are sort of like that key piece to growth in relationships because it there are always going to be hiccups along the road with any relationship, even if it's the best relationship ever. And if you're disillusioning yourself to the fact that like if an argument means the end you're you know you're cheapening the relationship and you're ending something that probably could have been really great had you just worked through that in in an appropriate way and that's a lot of the stuff that you and i do with helping people with like building relationships and i think that we i can't imagine that the two of them never got into an argument right i know we've heard reports of different things or arguments and i think it's because they're both highly competitive and they want what's best and they have their ideas of what that would look like but they're sort of proof that you can be in effect you can be in an effective relationship with arguments and nobody can really dispute their resume at this point so it clearly worked for them yeah no definitely and i think you know you you bring up some really good points i mean i think when it comes to this type of situation right like in terms of whether arguments are are possible or or needed or that kind of thing i think there's like a, a bit of a spectrum right we don't want we don't want arguments to go so far that they're so frequent and so you know violent or like really over the top in terms of um, uh, stepping over boundaries with inappropriateness or that kind of thing. Right. To the point where that is going to absolutely dismantle the relationship because that goes beyond you know trust building and that kind of thing. But a lot of people sort of edge towards the other side and they totally avoid, avoid. all arguments. Yeah. And that doesn't lead to any kind of growth because it may be sh- easier in the short term, right? Because it. It affords you the opportunity to not have uh, stress and not have difficult conversations that feel uncomfortable, but you are missing opportunities to build that foundation and build the first level, build the second level of that trust, of that growth together by avoiding that topic. And it, it tends to build resentment, right? If you don't bring oh, yeah. it up, you're gonna that's going to eat away at you at the inside. So then you're going to actually, instead of growing with that person, learning a lot about them, trusting them more, them trusting you more you're now growing resentful towards them. Mm-hmm. And that is the beginning of the end. When that starts to happen, if you don't resolve that by actually being open and having that conversation, it just eats away at the person and then nothing really good happens. Right. And then uh, the next argument, it 
they it comes back anyway, right? Like it's just like a boomerang. You could chuck it for a little while, yep. but that thing's coming back. No, totally. And it always comes back when another issue comes up or something else comes up. Or if the other person tries to say, hey, this is something that's bothering me, then it's like, well, this has been, bo-, you know, and then you're not talking about the yes. actual issue that was brought up and it, you know, it always goes sour. Exactly, exactly. And so I think it's, uh, a lot of it ties back into expectations, which are things that, thing that we talk about quite a bit. And a lot of people have expectations that, if my relationship is healthy, that should mean I'm not arguing, mm-hmm. right? That's an expectation. I think that's compl- it's false. Like that isn't. Yep. If your relationship is healthy, it means you are having arguments at the right time in the right way. Mm-hmm. That's to me how I would correct that sentence because I think you do timing matters and demeanor matters. So we don't want to be having it too often and in a demeanor that's completely disrespectful. But we don't want to ha- have no arguments and uh, just the absence of demeanor or anything. Mm-hmm. It's got to be in the middle, and you got to pick. Um, you got to try to pick the right time. I think we've talked about this in maybe a past episode where I think it was the the Earths uh, and the relationship episode mm-hmm. where we talked about um, most people wait, like you said, until the scabs ripped off. And then they say, you know, I'm glad you brought this up. I've been meaning to tell you, you suck in this way. And, that, yeah. and then they just go off on each other and like yeah. nothing. It's just yeah. throwing bombs, right? Nothing's accomplished by that. Yep. Whereas most people avoid the time that they should have arguments constructively, which is when things are going well. But when things are going well uh, or when you have a, a – Things going well means things are you've had a good week together. It could also mean on a day when things tend to be a little bit easier, less stressful for both people, like mm-hmm. you know, weekend or a Sunday or that kind of thing. That's when you should have a discussion that's difficult yep. because you're both primed to actually like learn and have a little bit of a tolerance for stress and difficulty. Yep. Most people look at that and they say, "Well, I don't want to ruin a good Sunday. <laughs> We're having a great day. Exactly. Why ruin it? Why would yeah. I? Why would I ruin that? Yeah. And it's like, no, you got to You have to take that opportunity to have that conversation then because it's the best time. It gives you the best chance to be successful. Right. Yep. You're not um, emotionally charged. You're thinking clearly, right? And you have a you have an opportunity to be have a productive conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I totally agree with you. And um, you touched on something that relates to like the just the difficulty of what they're doing. I feel like. When you have highly competitive, highly talented, uh, highly capable individuals, both combining forces to try to do something very difficult, there are going to be moments where, like, the margin for error is so narrow that both people are going to, like, they're going to be getting their angle to try to do things the right way. So Brady's going to have his thoughts. Belichick's going to have his thoughts. And I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet neither of them want to give a whole lot of ground because they're very confident in, mm-hmm. in their position. Right. And so if they're positioned, I would bet they aligned way more often than they didn't align, right? Agree. Probably yep. like 97%, 98% of the time. But in those 2% of the time, I bet it was, I bet it was difficult <laughs> conversations, you know? Yeah. Um, I think the one thing the fans probably don't see is that fans and media, they either don't see or they choose to ignore is that for every difficult conversation, there is the 98% or 99% of when things are going well or they're bonding or they're off camera and they're laughing. I mean, everything mm-hmm. I've heard from from players that have played for Belichick say that he's actually like a very down-to-earth, funny guy. Mm-hmm. He gives the media his... his Stoic. Stoic spiel, yeah, you right. know, because he's... Ron Cincinnati. He's, yeah, exactly. He's yeah. playing chess. Like, he's not going to mm-hmm. give anything away. No. So he knows what the media's job is. It's to try to get underneath the skin and get inside information. That's right. what they're trying to do. Yep. They get paid to do that. That's fine, right? Yep. I don't think he takes it personally. No, but he's not going to let that <laughs> provide a disadvantage for him competitively right. because right. his goal is to win a Super Bowl. Right? right? Yeah, he's there to win championships, not you know satisfy the media. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So leading up to the you know the game um, Sunday night, the game you know at this point it'll probably be two weeks after the game, but when Brady came back to Foxborough for mm-hmm. Tampa Bay to play the Patriots. 
for at least a week, it was probably a few weeks, there was a lot of stuff in the media, um, just regurgitating everything. And I think, oh, God. I don't, I don't blame. It is exhausting. I yeah. don't blame the media. I don't blame the fans. They, like, like we talked about before, media has their job. They yeah. have to pick apart things and create narratives. Sure. That's what, that's what makes them money. I mean, that's what they yep. have to do. I get it. I don't, I don't take it personally. I don't blame them. Yep. Fans are going to be fans, so they're going to be irrational. If, if you're uh, a Patriots fan, you're going to be like, you know, F you to everybody on Twitter. If you're a non-Patriots fan, it's Belichick cheated, Bridge, whatever. Right. right? That's yeah. pretty much how it kind of crosses uh, down the line. So I don't, I don't really blame them. I think part of what you see wrapped up in that is that um, you see a lot of people trying to figure out which one is better. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't blame them. It's, it's a, in my opinion, it's a stupid argument because yeah. it's like you don't. They're both amazing, right. and, they, and they do totally different things. Coaching and quarterbacking is not the right. same thing. Who, who was the reason for yeah, the win? Exactly. Right? Was it Belichick it, or yeah, Brady? And yeah. yeah, exactly. I've yeah. never understood that. Like I understand it because it's fans. And right. Fans are going to fan. That's right. what they're going to do. It's they're just a talking fanatical. point that's popular. It's yeah. a talking point. Yeah. And I wouldn't even rule out. Like I want to get your opinion on this. Like these days, what I've noticed is on you know whether it's not as much on Instagram but Twitter, especially. A lot of times it goes beyond fandom. I think what I've noticed is that people post that stuff because they're trying to get activity. Mm. They, if they get activity, they get followers. If they get followers, they get more notoriety, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's an angle, there's an incentive for people on Twitter to be saying things that are going to up their following, yeah. right? And I think that goes beyond typical. Typical fandom is like just being irrational and right. like getting sucked into an argument that yeah. you know is stupid. <laughs> I've noticed that this goes beyond that where it's like you can tell people know exactly what's going to stir up the hornet's nest. Mm-hmm. And they just throw it out there because they're like the more people I get exchanging comments on my thread, yeah. the more it helps me, right? And so that's one thing that I think plays into what happened up, up to the uh, leading up to the game Sunday night. Um, so I wanted to talk about you know, in terms of their relationship, right, we talked about how it, it went 20 years. They probably had a lot of moments where things were difficult that helped them grow. Yeah. Do you see on either side, Brady's or Belichick, Belichick's side, anything that you think from an outside perspective, you're like, you know, that was a missed opportunity where if he had adapted or done things a little differently, it, it probably would have been more fair or would have helped them go beyond 20 years? It's hmm. an interesting question. Um, in terms of, like, feeling like, Brady left because of some unsettledness piece around that. In terms of like, no, uh, well, either way, right? I think that the outcome, it sounds like, now depending on what you believe, right? It sounds like that they did try to retain him and yeah. he made the final decision to say it's it's the right time to move on. Yeah. Is there anything that when he was here, you see on Brady's side or the Belichick side that, that looked like a kind of a misstep or like, you know, if, it, if they were going to really grow together from that point on, this maybe could have been done differently from either side. Honestly, it's 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 twenty years of uh, experience to look back on, but a, t- a twenty year resume with six Super Bowls, however many AFC championships, um, and and pieces like that, it's hard to envision that something could have been done differently. The one thing that I have noticed that I am curious about, if this was a sticking point, just my own curiosity as a, as both a fan but just as an observer, is that Brady seems to be more present in social media and more outspoken. And I don't know if that's because he wasn't allowed to as a Patriot. I know there's lots of information about now, like, since he's now left the since Patriots, he's left agreed. the Patriots, yeah, yeah. right? He started he's been, to do it a little bit more towards the end. Yeah. But. And, and it's, it's hard to tease out whether that was like Belichick was like, you know, keep seeing a very firm, don't mm-hmm. talk to media, don't do these types yeah, of yeah. things, which I think probably does occur. Yep. 
but also Brady's reaching the end of his career and he's having to sort of make this transition to like, I've got to be thinking about life after football yeah, business, it's business yeah, mode. Yeah. Right. So it's TB 12. It's now, you know, sweaters that say Brady with no box or Patriots. Thing. Yeah, it's yeah, just Brady, yeah. the, Brady, so, the brand, Brady, yeah, the yeah, brand. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that that's, that's also part of it, but that would be one thing that I'd be curious to learn more about was, was that a contentious sticking point between the two of them of, Brady wanted to be more outspoken or engage more with the, the fans on like a social media piece and mm-hmm. not having latitude to do that if that was something that, that came up. In terms of whether it would affect the wins or loss, it clearly didn't. So um, I don't know if it would have yielded more Super Bowls or more wins had he been had more availability to do some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that was like a a rotating conversation between the two of them um, of Brady wanting to doing it one way of like, I want to be more outspoken yeah. or I want to be doing more things like this. I think, you know, if you follow him, his, his Instagram or his Twitter is, or his Instagram, especially like, it's kind of funny, right? There's like some jokes and things like that, that when he was the Patriots, you never really saw yeah, that yeah. stuff. And again, it's hard to tease out whether that's, because he wasn't allowed to, because that was sort of coaching rules, um, or if it's like he's trying to make this shift and be more present because he needs to be thinking about life after football. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the answer to that. That would be sort of, as my observer, that maybe one area that there could have been some contention around that. But because it didn't affect the wins, even if it was, that speaks to both of them that it didn't become Brady if it if it were true, Brady especially, that it didn't become a hindrance in him being able to win championships or resentment build or anything like that because he still was able to be professional and win games mm-hmm. even despite that. So that'd be my one my one area that I'd be kind of just curious about um, if that was a if that was a talking point. Yeah, it did it did have a vibe of like a just got out of an uptight uh, relationship with an <laughs> uptight partner. And yeah. Now I'm free to go frolic yeah. and do what I want, right? Yeah. Kind of thing. And yeah. A little bit of that. But the, you know what I've seen is that Belichick seems to be doing more stuff like that too, which is that caught me off guard. I was mm-hmm. like, I didn't expect that. Yeah. But I agree with you. It always seemed like being buttoned up and not, uh, I don't want to say exploiting, but not like, you know, really going down the road of like, you know, endorsements and, and sponsorships yeah. and things like that, like really in a crazy direction was something he ever wanted anyone to be doing on that team. Right. Um, it does seem like Brady has he started to embrace it more towards his time end of the time with the Patriots, but then going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers definitely has come more out with it. Yep. Um, a couple things that that stand out to me, one on each side, I would say. Um, for Brady, him blurring not I wouldn't say crossing a boundary necessarily because I don't know what their boundaries are. Um, but blurring a boundary, pushing the boundaries a little bit with Alex Guerrero being part of that team, yeah. when he maybe wasn't welcome to yeah. be a, an integral part of that team. Um, maybe didn't have permission to have that, you know, have him become an integral part of that team. That seemed to be something that, yeah. if you're Belichick, maybe made you feel uncomfortable, right? If you have a certain way of running things, and then all of a sudden this person has their right hand man coming in uh, to the organization to really mm-hmm. work with people who doesn't report to him, doesn't report to him, and, and right. work with people from a you know uh, stretching, strength and conditioning, whatever he does, perspective that may contradict some of the things that the organization wants to do like i can see that being a little bit like all right you got your guru fine but like you know hands off the rest of the team kind right. of thing. like what are we doing i can see that as being something that um and it seemed like some reports came out like with in-depth knowledge i don't know if that's accurate so who knows right. but i can see that being something that maybe um you know maybe started to to push the envelope a little bit with that with mm-hmm. their comfort level and alex guerrero even came out on on uh social media before this game recently and said that in his opinion, uh, Belichick never evolved. Never evolved to um, to accept Brady as more than just a quarterback. Which I would a lot of people disagree. I would actually agree with him on that. This is the one thing with on the Belichick side that I think he could have done differently if he really wanted 
um, Brady to at that point. I mean, if they made an offer for him to stay and he didn't, there's clearly something that could right. have been done differently to make him want to stay. Mm-hmm. That to me is what stands out. I don't think he ever quite evolved to realize like, you know, not like the the student has become the teacher kind of thing, but right. like, you know, Brady at 23 or 24 taking over for Bledsoe was not Brady at the end. Like Brady right. at the end saw things differently, sees things differently right now. Uh, you can see that Tampa Bay has given him that kind of control over yep. player, uh, like personnel decisions a little bit. Yep. Like, hey, you want this receiver? Boom, we're getting him. You want us to do this? Fine. Like, yep. uh, play calling. Like, all that stuff, to me, I think, I don't know. You know, this is speculation, so we, we have a no speculation rule, so I apologize for that. So we don't know. We don't know what the, the relationship was like uh, really in the middle of it um, with Brady and Belichick at the end. But it seemed like Belichick was very much like, look, you're the quarterback. I'm, I make the decisions personnel-wise, and I coach the team. That's what I do. I think that was a missed opportunity because I think Brady, with all his wealth of experience, could have seen things differently mm-hmm. uh, and helped in that sense. Now, yeah. maybe that did happen, and we just didn't know. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, that, that now is – I mean, that speaks to the, the now the talking points among Boston social media um, and, and sports media is uh, – like has has the NFL evolved past Belichick, right? Like that's that's the conversation that's going on now. Has he been like his ways of coaching? Has that is that old old ways now? And it speaks to your point of, you know, had had he evolved a little bit more and allowed Brady a little bit more control rather than just a player and a little bit more of a manager piece, would things have been different? And you don't know. I guess yeah. it, that that's where the speculation comes in because yeah. I. It does seem that he has more latitude in Tampa Bay to make some of those decisions, and well, it clearly worked for them last yeah, year, yeah. Um, which is a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm curious about about that yeah. too. Yeah. So, one thing I wanted to ask you about is um, something that's always confused me a little bit is the the hate for Brady outside of New England. Um, I've never really understood that because if you look at the other people that like we talked about, like Serena Williams being on like the Mount Rushmore of athletes, yeah. and you know, maybe put Simone Biles up there. Um, who else do we have? Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else will we put up there? Jordan. Jordan. Yep. Uh, yeah, definitely Jordan. It's probably one or one other one. Phelps. We're forgetting. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So there's there's athletes that are on that Mount Rushmore. It's, it's more than four athletes. Mm-hmm. For the most part, they're all universally loved mm-hmm. by people inside and outside their market. You know, Jordan, uh, Serena. I think you know we've talked about um, you know black female athletes fitting into two categories that right. get them. Uh, expose them to ridicule that is like ridiculous and over the line. So yep. I think there's there's that element that she has to deal with. But I think as sports fans, everyone really universally loves her mm-hmm. in terms of what she does and her um, level of excellence and, and things like that. Um, I don't think anyone hated Gretzky. You know, I'm trying to think of like these, even like someone like Jeter. You look at these athletes, and it's like, yeah, there was like a sports hate a little bit, right? Um, you know, but I there's a respect hated. that comes along. Yeah, with but it. I respect right. the hell out of Jeter his whole right. time. Um, yeah, even when I was young and immature and like you know. That kind of thing. So I, I don't understand why people seem to hate Brady, particularly because he's such an unhateable guy. Like, if you mm-hmm. look, I know he's a little quirky. We're going to get to this in a little bit. He's a little quirky about, like, his things and the mm-hmm. pliability and, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And he looks like he's somehow found a, way, found a way to legitimately reverse aging. Yes. So there's weird things that are there. I get that. But in terms of him as a person, he's from everyone that seems to know him. The reports back are that he's just this unbelievably genuine, kind person. And mm-hmm. so that's what I don't understand. The guy works his ass off, doesn't throw teammates under the bus, is never promoting drama. Anytime he has a microphone in his face, he says the right thing, and he doesn't say it in a way that, to me, seems cliche or seems uh, uh, disingenuous. I think he's no. honest. He just does not want to, to play that game, and he tries to be nice to everybody. 
calls people on their birthday. Like everything, every report you have is that he's just like the nicest person. Why do have have the non New England general public seem to pick this person to despise? Mm. I think that there's been this like transition from like frustration to like jealousy, hatred, maybe. Okay. Right. Like, for example, we'll take the Buffalo Bills, right? For the last 20 years, they've oh, they've never really had a chance because Brady's been in the conference and they've that, that's always been, now they're having success when Brady's gone. But mm-hmm. um, I think that the frustration or maybe jealousy are two things that come in. And when you're watching, you know, I think Brady of the Patriots for the last 20 years, it was like, you know, you don't give a lot of credit to like Matthew Slater, who's been busting his ass for years and one of the best special teamers that we'll probably mm-hmm. ever see, or any of the countless people that have come through the Patriots for the last 20 years who have been obviously integral parts for them winning. Brady takes the spotlight as like the Patriots, right? And so that's easy for other fans to put it of like, he's the reason we're not winning games and I'm feeling like crap every yeah. Sunday. And it's an easy hat to put all the blame and frustration just onto him, right? Uh, Deflategate doesn't help that. It gives, again, just another opportunity for confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. Like, see, this is why he's been so winning is because he's been mm-hmm. cheating, right? And that's a conversation we can have at a different time because I have lots of thoughts about that. Um, but I think it's like frustration that leads to hatred, right? And it's only because you're just frustrated your team isn't winning and then you see this guy who's the most successful of all. It is interesting, though, because Gretzky also had that same capability. That dude could, take over, I mean. could take over games, right? Yeah. Michael Phelps, you knew when he was in the pool, he's, yeah. he's going to win. Exactly. If right? you're Simone, someone else, you're screwed. You're like, screwed, yeah. right? Simone Biles, same thing. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is interesting. And maybe it's just, maybe it speaks to population that, predominantly watch football as opposed to gymnastics or tennis. Maybe there's a population difference or a fan difference of like who's watching these sports. I don't know, but that seems to be my best guess of like what's happening of people are feeling frustrated. And rather than taking ownership and accountability of like our team just isn't as good. It's this guy is the reason that we're not doing that. And someone who's fits sort of similar is LeBron is sort of a similar phenomenon to Brady. And I would say even, Less so because listening to not not recently, but listening to LeBron, a lot of it is I, right? Like I did this, I did this. Not a lot of we. But if you look at his career, he's always been obviously he's one of the greatest, and we don't have to go through the MJ LeBron debate right now. Um, but you know he started a school. M- MJ's always going to be the greatest. I know we yeah. we agree. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but like started a school in his in his hometown to help underprivileged kids like get go to school and paying for all of their college. Like he's outside of his basketball, he's mm-hmm. been a leader and he still gets that and he had, you know, the decision and that, you know, again, it's but, really but, his only misstep in in a career of like how many years now? Like I can't He's believe, been in the spotlight since he was like oh 12, God, 13 years old. It is unbelievable. I can't I, you you take a thousand people, and I think maybe one will be able to handle it as well as he has. Yeah, yeah. maybe who not turn yeah. into that. So those are the two like comparables of they've not really done anything wrong, but have if you're not a fan or if you're not a Lakers fan or a Miami or where you know or or, a Cleve, or um, Cavaliers fan, you like despised that yeah, person. Yeah, and I, yeah. I was definitely a part of that a part of that too yeah. from a fan perspective, from a non fan perspective. He's I wildly respect him, um, but going to Game 7, Eastern Conference Finals, and watching LeBron take over and win that game was a tough game mm-hmm. uh, to watch. So those two are sort of, I compare them too, and I think from a fan point, it's it's just because you're frustrated that your team isn't losing, and rather than just sort of accepting that the team was just better, it's a lot easier to like, I hate that yeah, person yeah, yeah. because they're winning this game. Yeah, it's interesting because it seems like people, like the hatred has died down a little bit since he went to Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe it's like, and I just didn't think about this till now, but maybe it's it's a combination of I would I would bank it's a it's a combination of a little bit of the winning thing from before when he's with the Patriots, but also the uh, Boston and Belichick hatred. I think a lot of the the people kind of a lot of people outside Boston hate Boston. They, mm-hmm. love, they love to just take shots at Boston as a city, as a, as a fan base, that kind of thing. There's a lot of hatred towards that, and there's a lot of hatred of Belichick because of his smugness. And I think that sort of maybe washed off onto Brady a little mm-hmm. bit. Like a lot of the hatred for point. him was because of the association with those two places. Now that he's away from both those, right? Uh, um, and coming out of his shell a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think people. I think maybe a fourth little element is that people. I don't think people believed he was being genuine when he would uh, have interviews the way he used to and mm-hmm. things like that and be very yeah. buttoned up. I think it pissed people off because they thought he was being fake. Mm-hmm. Um, and that maybe like the real Brady was some some you know enemy or you know what a villain the entire time right. and he just wasn't showing his true colors. I think yeah. maybe they're starting to see now that that was miscalculated, but yeah. maybe that's what it was. So um, it's interesting because one of the things that they showed before the game the other day was uh, an interview with his first roommate. So when he first he was a fourth string quarterback, yeah, realized he made the team, bought a condo outside Foxborough, I think close by um, in some other city, some other town. Uh, with from Ty Law, so he's, Ty Law sold the condo to him, and he asked two other players, like a tight end and some other uh, offensive lineman, I think, to be his roommates. Like he bought this condo at three bedrooms. You guys want to live with me, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they would play Tecmo Bowl, and apparently, <laughs> he was so competitive that like he would stomp the ground sometimes when he was losing because he knew that the rattling of the ground would would reset the game. <laughs> So like I heard that's that and I'm like, awesome. all right, like maybe this guy really just, uh, is just willing to go to any length to win. Yeah. And and you know, some of these stories have some truth to them, but I think, um, yeah. So that always stood. out I hadn't me. heard that story. Yeah. That's, that's that was the first funny. time I had heard yeah. that one. I had heard from his parents that that's like funny. he used to throw fits when he was playing games, like when he was a young kid with his sisters, and he had mm-hmm. a lot, of, a lot of like his sisters were great athletes too, mm-hmm. and one of them is actually married to Kevin Euclid, um, mm-hmm. a former Red Sox player. Yep. So it's a very competitive family. And he would just go nuts if he was in a game, like Monopoly or something like yeah. that. So I guess it's always been in him. Um, so I had some few other points. I mean, one, I think Brady is like a prime example of grim drive. I think when we talk about like someone who is uh, driven to achieve things that are at the highest level and like relentless commitment to that, mm-hmm. while also seemingly maintaining a balance in their life, is there anyone that does it better than Brady? I don't know. Uh, like yeah. It seems like he really excels at that in terms of um, – just structuring his life in a way that allows him to commit to do things. And that, that is hard. Um, I heard someone say this about him recently, but that it's very hard on your family. I think when you're we're trying to achieve something that, that um, difficult, the time commitment that goes into it, it's, it's such a delicate balance where I think a lot of people fail at one or the other, right? Either they're not able to commit enough time because they don't want something to go wrong with their family or they commit too much time to achieving the thing and it ruins the family. Yep. I think that's a delicate balance to find. It seems like he's found it, but mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brady playing into his 50s, it seems like that is going to happen. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Yeah, he's always said 45, but now it feels like he's he just going to keep... He said recently 50s, yeah, so I don't know. he's just going to keep going and going. Yeah. He, he even said, uh, a post-game interview, he said, who knows, you know, um, things can change. Maybe I'll play... He, be back in the stadium again at some point. So to me, that's yeah. like doesn't sound like anyone who's going to retire anyone uh, anytime soon. No. Do you see any comparisons? We're going to wrap up here in a, in a second, but do you see any comparisons between Brady and Tom Cruise in your opinion? But just from like a they don't age perspective. Yeah, in general, there's a there's a <laughs> lot of like weird similarities. Um, they don't age. Like uh, Tom Cruise is how old? Fifty nine. Yeah, he's almost sixty. I think fifty nine. Yeah. He's yeah. doing stunts like running across buildings and stuff like that. Like yeah. that. Um, 
I don't understand what they've tapped into. There is some conspiracy theories that they're are, they are just aliens. Aliens, um, yeah. Absolutely. There was a movie where Brady did a cameo where he actually went into like a reverse aging chamber. Would you, you ever see this one? No. It's with Paul Rudd. Oh, it's, really? It's oh, perfect. Really funny. Another uh, another example of yes, someone who doesn't exactly, age. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but literally in the movie, they have him as a cameo walking out of this clinic that is illegally doing like reverse <laughs> aging kind of thing. That's awesome. And he just smiles as he walks out. Yeah. Um, but. There's definitely some similarities there. They've, they've tapped into something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly what it is, but um, do you believe, last question, do you believe in pliability? You know what? Honestly, I don't know too much about it. I can't, I can't, it, it works for him, mm-hmm. clearly. Um, I guess, I don't really know though if it does or not, but it seems to help him and he's committed to it. And I don't know if it's a, uh, you know, one of those like placebo types of things of like, if you firmly believe something, then it becomes which is true, real. which yeah, is real. Belief is right? powerful. So yeah. maybe there's a combination of that plus that. Again, I don't know too much about pliability. I know that's like his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know enough about it to be able to give like a, yeah, it, it works. I think he's, it, it can only help, I imagine, of, of, of working on that and being, you know, keeping your muscles in a place that they need to be um, so they can recover, but also can perform. So, you know, on the surface, it seems like it's something that would go work well. Um, There are things that Alex has done in the past that I have questions about. So I think that definitely hinders my ability to, to believe, right. Um, Because some of the things that he's claimed in the past, um, I'm not bringing this up to, to, you know, shoot him down, Yeah, yeah. but it certainly puts a little bit of, Curiosity. Yeah, I guess yep. I'll say that. Yep. Curiosity into the into the methods as well. Yeah, and they've gotten rid of some of that stuff. And other yeah. the things that have been more sort of controversial and not evidence based. Right, think they've done well to just remove those over yep. the last like f- three, four, or five years. Yep. Um, but I agree. I think look, the way I look at the whole pliability thing is that it's not a cure all, right? I mean, I don't think that anything is in life is just a fix all for anybody or no. any situation. Um, and yet, if you believe in something and it leads to a you staying in really really good shape. Uh, and living a healthy lifestyle and leads to you believing that you're capable of healing or doing th- like belief does matter. So I think those yeah. two things um, probably lead to what makes it so effective. Yeah. And I think especially. it probably dict- dictates his decisions to do certain things. If, yeah. he's, if it's another healthy thing he's doing, that keeps his mind in a healthy place. Right. Agreed. Which I think is probably, again, speculating. I don't know the science behind it, but for me, that would be more important keeping a healthy mind than it would be working on like pliability Agreed. necessarily. Yep. So yeah, for sure. So that, that's it for today. want to remind everyone just to check us out on YouTube, um, you know, the Grim Drive podcast, and hit subscribe if you can. Um, you know, all, other, all the helpful info and links we described today can be accessed in the show notes. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Grim Drive podcast for our discussion about Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and relationships. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about sports and salary. Thanks, everyone.